especially difficult for women to figure out a way to find balance and be able to have a career and be a mom. And I just kept pushing forward and it never occurred to me that it would, the business would be where it is today. And it certainly never occurred to me that I would have the opportunity to write one, much less two cookbooks. That was not in my wheelhouse. So I'm feeling incredibly blessed and is equally surprised as I'm sure everybody else is because I'm not a chef, but I'm truly passionate about the food that we make and really all foods and all cultures and learning all about it. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to the newest episode of the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Each week we explore different aspects of storytelling and we are all in for a special treat this week. Our guest, Carrie Morey, tells stories through her seemingly unstoppable passion as a mom, cookbook author, entrepreneur, PBS personality, and a motivational speaker. I am Ron Block. And I am Patty Callahan Henry. And Carrie, who is all the things Ron just listed, mm-hmm. makes me feel like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> she is the author of two cookbooks, the latest of which is Hot Little Suppers. She is the founder of Callie's Hot Little Biscuits and star of the PBS show, How She Rolls, all while balancing, or maybe not, we'll talk to her, family life. <laughs> There's so many layers to her story. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Thank you all for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we are so glad to have you here. Learning your story has just been so exciting, and we're so excited to have you here. We have so many questions for you, but let's start at the beginning. In your newest cookbook, you describe your life's philosophy as be a biscuit, rise tall, be warm and buttery on the inside, and be open to anyone's jam. And, you know, those are words to live by for sure. Aren't Perfection. They? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your early years and how your passions developed into that saying. Well, I think that I was very well reared by my father, mainly who was a single dad from the age of two for me. And he had a lot of lessons to teach me. But what is the most resounding lesson that he constantly taught me, not only by telling me, but showing me was be kind, be nice to everyone and be open to anyone. I mean, he was the most friendly, most open, most willing to help human I could have ever encountered. And so I didn't know that I would be using this every day in my business and in my child rearing of my own children, but it has really benefited me. And it just seems appropriate to develop our theme authentically around what I would call a a gussied up version of the golden rule, basically. 
Oh, I like that. I gussied up. Yeah, I like that a lot. Carrie, let's talk about Callie's Hot Little Biscuits. How did this delicious and amazing adventure start? You just talked about your dad and, and the lessons he taught you. But can you tell us where the name came from? When we interview authors, we often ask about where the germ of an idea came from. But I want to know it here. Tell us how the company began and how it's grown and expanded. Well, the company began because my mother, Callie, has always made these incredible handmade country ham biscuits. And I grew up watching her make them and serving them at some of her catered parties that she would do. And I was always on the serving end. So I received the accolades people, everybody in the South has ham biscuits at every cocktail party, but these ham biscuits were different. They were chopped ham, Dijon mustard butter, a cheese biscuit, just perfectly delicious and tender and all the things you want a biscuit to be. And so I just think I tucked that little bit of knowledge back away in my head and, you know, went about trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And it always came back to food. But, you know, back when I was looking for a job, if you didn't go to culinary school, you really didn't think outside the box as far as what you could do for a food career. So, when I moved back home from New York, which is the most amazing place to live if you love food and want to daydream about how to start a business in food, I knew two things. I knew I loved food and wanted to somehow figure out a way to feed people, specifically Southern food in which I was raised. But I also knew that more than anything, I wanted to be a mom and and not just have children, but really be involved and, and figure out a way to create a business around my guiding light, which was raising my girls. So... That's kind of what the motivation was. And I knew that my mom had a great product, but I knew that, you know, she couldn't be a caterer forever. So I approached her and I said, you know, everybody goes crazy for your biscuits. I've just left an internet company. I can see where this internet craze is going. And I think that we might be able to ship these biscuits and we can use the internet as our vessel for a mail order business. And that's kind of how it started. What year was that? When did you, and where were you? So where did you grow up? Where, where, where in the South did you grow up? And where were you when you said, it feels like you're saying, I want to return to some of my roots with this, not only with you, mom, but, but with the food. So so where'd you grow up and where were you when you said this? I grew up in Charleston and after college, I lived all over and landed for the last three years before I moved home in New York. And so I kept, I knew that I was going to move back to Charleston. I met a a lovely man, my husband. And when we moved back, I just knew there wasn't a lot of industry for anything other than F and B. And this is, you know, a long time ago, 20 years ago. And I I knew I didn't want to work in the restaurant world. I knew I didn't want to cater, but that was, that was what I loved. I loved food and feeding people and entertaining. So my mom and I started talking about what kind of store could we open? Could we open like a Dean and DeLuca? But then, you know, being a slave to a brick and mortar was not at all conducive to the lifestyle I wanted to lead. So I had to just keep dreaming about 
how could I create a business around the lifestyle that I wanted to lead? And I think that it's especially difficult for women to figure out a way to find balance and be able to have a career and be a mom. And I just kept pushing forward. And it never occurred to me that it would, the business would be where it is today. And it certainly never occurred to me that I would have the opportunity to write one, much less two cookbooks that was not in my wheelhouse. So I'm, I'm feeling incredibly blessed and is equally surprised as I'm sure everybody else is because I'm not a chef, but um, I'm truly passionate about the food that we make and really all foods and all cultures and learning all about it. So it has been an authentic journey and not one that has been planned. I've never had a business plan. It was just, let's sell these biscuits and use the internet to do so. So yeah, that's how it started. I think those are some of the best plans. I, you know, when I said, I just want to write one book and that was 15 books ago. (laughs) That's awesome. Follow your passion. That's right. So it started out as just an internet only. It did. And, And because we have the hot little biscuit bake shops now, most people don't know it started out just selling online, which in 2005, you can imagine how many people we had coming to our website, all of zero. So, uh, you know, there was no advertising and no way for anybody to figure out that you even had a website. And so it was mainly a couple friends and family that would order at certain times of the year. But it was so slow. But that was okay because I had babies at home. I mean, the first three years, I had two under two years old. So, you know, looking back on it, I think that it's been a great... I've gotten everything I wish for and that I've been able to grow a business as my children have grown and it has slowly grown organically. And as they get older, I'm able to do more. And at some point you had a little visit, somebody whose name starts with an O. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, she didn't physically come into the shop, but I think Gail heard about our biscuits and they asked for samples and we sent them. And that was back in probably 2009. And she liked them and put them on the O list. So that was a big deal. That is a big deal. That must have helped the business to have Oprah on board. That has definitely been wonderful. That and the Today Show and Martha Stewart, all the things. It's just been, we've been very blessed with great press. And I think that that's partly because we were one of the first pioneers of food sold through the internet and definitely artisan food. I mean, when I started, we, it was a brand new industry. I mean, artisan food was not something that people did and now it, it is everywhere. It is everywhere. It's pervasive. And thank goodness. I know, right? My stuff. <laughs> anyway, I think part of it, too, has to do with your story and who you are. And, and I kind of want to veer off a little bit now. And you decided to expand into the cookbook area. And Callie's Biscuits and Southern Traditions came out in 2013. Your newest one, Hot Little Suppers, is recently out. What made you decide to branch out into publishing and put that together? And it's so much more than just instruction. It is really the story of who you are. And that comes through on every recipe and every page. And you just put yourself out there. So talk to me about about bringing these cookbooks to life. Well, I don't think I would have ever done it if I hadn't been pushed to do it, which is how so many things start, right? (laughs) So true. I actually had a good friend who is my agent now. And when I first met her, I didn't know that that's what she did. And I don't even think I understood that because that just wasn't in my world. But 
we got on the Today Show. This is a funny story. We got on the Today Show and they asked us to bring something to put in the biscuit. So we showed Hoda and Kathy Lee how to make biscuits on live television. So you can only imagine how comical that was. And then <laughs> we brought a crab dip, a warm crab dip for you to scoop onto the biscuits to eat with the biscuits. And you get to that moment in the four minute segment where they're tasting the biscuits and we're all waiting to see her reaction. And Kathy Lee tastes the biscuit and she says, Oh my God, this is the most incredible crab dip. And we were like, what? You're supposed to say biscuit. <laughs> and she loved the biscuits too. But then what happened was we had over 400 requests via phone, email, calls asking for the crab dip. I'm like, oh my gosh, this crab dip is like my mom's like version of a Charleston receipts recipe. And so I was telling the story to my friend, Amy, my now agent, and she said, you ought to start a blog. And I said, a blog? Why would anybody want to read the blog? And so she's the one that pushed me. And she said, just you people ask you for your food all the time, just instead of having to tell them over and over again, put it on, you know, a form where they can go. And I thought it was the craziest idea, but she got me when she said, you know, you're constantly asking people to buy things on your website. So what if you were to give them something that really had nothing to do with what you're selling? And that to me, I could get on board with because it wasn't so salesy and it was an authentic picture of what I cook, what I eat and the recipes that were in my family. And that's how it was born, really. That's awesome. And you mentioned Charleston receipts. That is one of my all-time favorite cookies. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've had to buy two now because I wear them out. It's the best. One of the things about the cookbooks, though, that I'd love to ask about a little bit is you have a list of tools and a list of ingredients in the beginning, which is a really, really helpful component for people. You talk about why you decided to put those in there. They're not naming any names. Somebody was really enamored of that. <laughs> you know, I, I that was at the the suggestion of my publicist and and my agent, and I actually would have never thought to do that because I just assumed that everybody has the same tools and things in their kitchen, and you know, but whatever you can share to help people feel more comfortable in the kitchen and cook more, I think is always worthy of sharing. Well, for someone who loves to cook, but it's not, isn't very good at it. And also loves to do lists because they make me feel like I can check, check, yes. check to open up your cookbook and see a, a list of, then you can go check, check. And then you know that you're not halfway through a recipe and you're like, Oh, I don't have that yes. thing. That is true. Especially that is true. the ingredients. It's wonderful. I love it. it. Yep. Oh, thank you. Or knowing that if you have the right peeler, you can peel a tomato instead of having to blanch them because what home cook is going to take the time and effort to blanch t tomatoes to make anything. And you can peel it in a second with the perfect Meister peeler. Uh, I yeah. see a little hand raise. You're yeah, I, would, I do that. Well, if you, if you peel them with my peeler, you will never blanch again because it takes two seconds. And then you have a tomato rose from the peels that are decor for your platters. I will do it. I'll, I'll try, give it a shot. Anything awesome. to make it easier. Okay, Carrie, you say one of my favorite ways to experience new people and cultures is through food. So I want you to talk to us just a little bit about that. 
Well, for me, cooking is the way that I express myself and show love. So, and I think that's very, very common for people that cook. So for me to be able to share a meal with somebody is to really like break down all the walls and get to know them, right? Roll up your sleeves and sit down and eat a meal. And even better if you're cooking the food in which you grew up on or eating the food that that person grew up on, and then you learn more about them as a person. And I've always said that the best way to break down any walls and barriers is to have a meal. And, you know, it's hard to have crosswords when you're eating great food, especially when the food has a story or a celebration or a reason behind it. Or especially if you're honoring them with the food or trying to. Absolutely. Like if you then maybe you can have a conversation that that isn't about surface things, but about who they are, why they like the food they like, why, where they came from. I, I, I just, when I read that line, I was like, yes. And I think there's something to be said for having people come and eat in your home. So mm. anybody can make a dinner reservation and go sit out um, at a dinner at somebody else's table, but bringing somebody into your home or going to someone's home and sharing that's such a personal experience and to it's intimate, it's intimate. And it, to me, it's an honor. Like I don't get invited yeah. to people's houses very often to eat. And when I do, I get so excited. So, yeah. and that's literally how I spend my time in our off time. And my entire family would tell you, they come home and they say, what's for dinner and who's coming over. And they always want to have people over because they've always had that their entire life. So it's so meaningful. Just a little aside, I recently gave somebody a tomato sandwich and they thought I was a, a hillbilly. Oh. <laughs> but I grew up on those. That's the story. That's what we had out on the that farm. Is a tomato gift. Sandwiches. And I that love is a them. Gift. I could eat them every meal. Did you peel your tomato? I didn't. Oh, all right. You got to promise me you'll eat a t- peeled tomato sandwich and there's a big difference. I will. I'm going to get this peeler and I'm going to do it. And I will report back. I promise. All right. (laughs) We'll have to add an addendum to the podcast. Right. (laughs) Not going like, yep, I did it. They were great. Mm -hmm. So do you have favorite recipes that you make and that are requested a lot from you? Oh, yeah. Between the two cookbooks or are we just focusing on hot little today? Oh, anything. I have a lot of favorites, especially from my, my family and friends. I mean, the ones that immediately come to mind are macaroni pie, which was my grandmother Caroline's macaroni and cheese. It's made with, as she would say, vermicelli noodles, which it's hard to find a vermicelli noodle, which is also a thin spaghetti noodle, which is also, I'm sure, a riff on some Charleston receipts recipe that she put her own spin on. But that is, you know, the ultimate comfort food. My girls love it. We have it every year for Thanksgiving. Okra rice is another one that I grew up on. Rice over butter beans is a big one. Um, And then within our own family, we've created memories where my girls are constantly asking for the same thing, like Italian wedding soup, which has a great story behind um, our girls not knowing what it was during a snow day and them creating an entire wedding with the kids in the neighborhood down to a, a wedding ceremony and a a homemade cake and an invitation and the five-year-old marrying the eight-year-old across the street and all the parents coming dressed in formal attire for the wedding. So love it. And that, that is saved as a, as a highlight on my Instagram reel. And we always go back and look at it and the girl, this was seven years ago. So it's just, it's so cool how one thing 
A food. And Sue, yeah. this one recipe that my children did not know what it was created this entire event that, by the way, did not include any electronics, you know? So I love that because then their imagination, their creativity just started working. They're like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a wedding around Italian wedding too. That's amazing. I love it. So in Hot Little Suppers, though, was there any recipe that really kind of gave you a struggle that it was really difficult to get just right but to put it in there? Oh, wow. That's I don't a, get the impression that there would be much well, because you uh, yeah. seem to have. Well, I think because the food that is in all of those cookbooks, Hot Little Suppers especially, is this is food that I've been cooking for my family for years. So I had a lot of time to, um, you know, fail and then make it better and then make it over and over again. And I just have to say, again, I'm not a chef. But these are recipes that I'm a home cook and they're family favorites. So I don't know that there's anything that is super hard. I, I do think there's a lot of chopping because I do love the thought of my recipes, specifically the Southern ones being a little bit updated with lots of fresh herbs and, and more fresh vegetables than maybe a traditional Southern recipe would have. That makes sense. I, I find chopping to be therapeutic. Oh, that's oh I love that part. Yeah, me too. With a glass if I was of ever going to be a chef, I'd be the chop chef. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, me too. Me too. And I love how each recipe has hot little tips yeah. next to mm-hmm. it. So that if it is a recipe that you're feeling like, oh, not sure I have time for that. Um, I need a quick family dinner, weeknight family dinner. And then you read the hot little tips and you're like, got it. Yeah. And I think so, that the, the recipes in Hot Little Suppers really can, you know, you have a section on sides and extras. And a lot of times those can be meals and they can be converted into something else. Uh, so they're very versatile. There are so many great celebrity chefs and bakers, and they have TV shows and cookbooks. But growing up, or even today, do you have a favorite television chef or baker who inspires you? Like you inspire everybody else? Do you have one? I think a lot of people inspire me. I don't, I have people that in the past, I don't really have time to watch TV now, but when I used to watch TV in my early twenties, I, I, there were certain chefs that I loved. I love Nigella Lawson. Mm -hmm. I just enjoy watching her effort effortlessly create things that in my opinion are like home cooked meals, but are so fabulous and over the top. She would be the person that stands out to me more than, than anyone else. I mean, I like them all, but I don't know. There's just something about her that I think, is easy to watch. She's easy to watch. And I just wanted to step back a minute. Your, your cookbooks really are very accessible and that's the audience mainly for cookbooks. Um, they're the ones who want something that they feel sick. They can be successful at and, 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 and your stories help them do that and share it with their own family. So it's kind of your story expanding. It's really wonderful. Thank you. Let's talk about how she rules. How did this all get started? It, I am just as surprised as everyone else. I, I can't even believe it. Even today, I, as we are getting ready to watch this, the second season come out, you know, for years, I'd not a ton of people, but I'd had a few different production companies reach out and ask me if I wanted to do a, a television show and about my business. And I thought that was so, so strange, but intriguing, of course, because we all know that that's going to be the best way to get the word out about your business. Right. And 
it just never felt right. It, there was always something wrong with the production company or the way they wanted to spin it. And, you know, my number one concern was our family. And when PBS or when this production company approached me and said that they thought that it would be a good show for PBS, I really thought, huh, that is something that I could trust and feel safe and, you know, aside from wanting to get exposure for the business, of course, I would love, love it if I could have inspired anyone to, you know, go and try for their own dreams. So I felt really good about it. And I felt like it wasn't going to be sensationalized. And I felt like it was more of a, you know, an educational program than anything else. So that's why I said yes. Yeah. And like your other endeavors, it really shows your story and you bring your family into it. And it's really charming isn't quite enough of a word, but it really is charming. It feels good. And even up here in Ohio, we watch it on PBS oh, too. So. Thank you. It's well, and I else. think the word, I think the word you used about the cookbook accessible is the same yes. with the show. It's yes. accessible. You're, you're not, you're not over there, you know, flaying a lobster you know, in right. a way that oh, the rest of us could never do. You're, it's accessible and your family's involved and it's, it's charming. It's right. Wonderful. Right. And people look at it and go like, I can do that. I can do that. I think. Yeah. And, and you're a great teacher and you're very gentle about saying, come on along, come on along, join me in cooking. So what, what are some of your favorite moments from the first season? Oh my gosh. You know, I think my, the thing that I'm most proud of is that we were able to capture what it was really like to be a business during the pandemic, which obviously we had no idea that was going to happen when we started the show. It was such a, an emotional roller coaster, and, and, and there were highs and lows. And so I'm very grateful that we have that to have captured. So that, that was amazing. I also am really grateful that we captured the racial injustice that was going on and am um, very proud of the way our business chose to handle it. And I think that is an incredibly important moment in our history and, and hopefully the beginning of a turning point of better things to come. So that made me very proud. And I think just the overall resiliency of our company and the employees and the way everybody works so well together for the most part. And, you know, <laughs> hopefully showing that culture is really important within a company and treating people like a biscuit, rising tall, be warm, warm and buttery on the inside and being open to anyone's jam is always the best way to be. And we by no means are perfect and we make mistakes every day and, and, but we are constantly trying to be better and doing better. So I think, I hope that was conveyed. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it's refreshing too to, to see that viewpoint come across. What can we expect in the new season? Oh, it's, it is, uh, it's fun. No spoilers, but no, no spoilers. I would say you're going to see a lot of biscuits. You're going to see a lot of uh, family suppers. You're going to see a lot of business going up and down. I mean, lots of change. Um, 2022 has been the hardest year that I have been in business. And it has been an incredibly equally difficult year 
for my family and that we have, and I'm not going to go into it, but we've had some really bad health challenges and you see it all. And so it has, it has, uh, it's shaped everything about me as a mom, a business owner, everything. Um, so it is, it's, it's very, I think it's, I think it's very good. I actually am very pleased. And another reason why people are going to be relating to you. So definitely hard. What do you hope viewers take away from how she rolls? I hope that viewers take away that I'm just like every other person, that we are flawed. We are working unbelievably hard for a goal of making our hot, our little biscuit company grow with my number one goal being to be the best mom that I can be and also be a great example for them. And that, you know, nothing, nothing good is ever easy and that it is a constant challenge and that no matter what happens, whether it's within your business or your personal life, you have to get up the next day and keep going. And, you know, that is the lesson that I've already known that lesson, but that is the lesson that I'm constantly teaching my children and myself and reminding myself when the chips are down, you got to keep getting up. You got to keep getting up when one door closes, another one opens. So I would say that would be the unintentional theme of season two. Rise like a biscuit, baby. That's right. Keep rising tall. Keep rising tall no matter what happens. I know, right? (laughs) Exactly. Carrie, it has been so amazing getting to know you. I I, I do feel that we could keep talking for another hour, but (laughs) the twists your career has taken and to be able to watch how you, you followed this nudge that said, this biscuit mattered to our family and it might matter to a couple other people. And it has turned into cookbooks, a show, a lifestyle, a parenting, you know, parenting theory. You have, have really so much to admire about what you have done. Agreed. Agreed. So where can our listeners find more information about you and your work and the second season of the show? Where would they go to find such things? The easiest place to go is Callie'sBiscuits.com. And there you can find out about our handmade products. You can find out about our TV show, our hot little biscuit bake shops, where our biscuits are sold. All the things are there. Of course, social media. My Instagram is Carrie Bailey Mori, and our other Instagram for the business is Callie's Hot Little Biscuit. And of course, we'd love for you to follow along. Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. You are a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful, wonderful. Appreciate it. And thank you to everyone listening. I, along with the Fab Four, cannot tell you how much we appreciate you tuning in every Friday. Please share with a friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.